Okay, everybody. Welcome to the midweek message. We haven't done this in in quite quite a bit, and that was because we were moving, getting things settled, and then trying to figure out how we're going to do things here. So here we are again doing the midweek messages. Um, so by the way, if you listen to our podcast, Restoring Your Voice, know that there will not be an actual episode on Wednesdays. Uh, there was one that aired today, but it was pre-recorded, but no, that's that's not going to be the norm. Uh, so by the way, Restoring Your Voice podcast is only going to happen uh, three days a week. So Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday is when, when the episodes are going to air, or I'll be live, either one. Also, before we start, click that share button, please. Share this message with everybody. Share it in Facebook groups. Retweet it. Hit that like button. Um, also, if you want to give, by the way, the links are there for you to be able to give on Facebook and on YouTube. Um, or you can go to the pinned uh, tweet. at the. So that's the tweet that's... The first one you see when you go to my Twitter account, uh, just we just ask if you're able to give anything at all. We would love it. Uh, we only do this uh, by donations. You know, this this mic I'm holding, the camera I'm on, it's all by donations as well. Um, we don't make a income from doing this, okay? So if you can give, God bless you. If you can't give, God bless you. But the options are there for whatever amount you would like to give. Uh, so that's... That's it with any type of announcements. Uh, but tonight I, I'm going to start a series. So this is the first part um, of a series I'm going to do with confronting um, error, for one, uh, deception, um, in specifically the charismatic movement. Now I say that as somebody who identifies as somebody who fully believes in the gifts of the Spirit for today. They never went away. I fully believe that apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors are all for today. Okay, that, that all that stuff is still continuing and will continue until the day of Jesus' return. So that so I'm like kind of like the in crowd, I guess you could say. But I'm in and I've been seeing so many errors. And I'm and if I'm honest, I was once part of many of these errors, believing them, even teaching them. And I had to make reparations, I had to make do things right. So I'm not trying to speak for my horse. And um, also, by the way, this is not a bash and trash message, by the way. We're just bashing and trashing uh, people. No, what I'm, what I'm doing is attempting in God's love to confront um, many of these inaccuracies, uh, many of these deceptions, okay? I'm not going to pinpoint that. That so-and-so is purposely deceiving you out there, so don't even go there. Um, if you want to call people as heretics, go somewhere else. Okay, we're, we're not all about that here. Um, so basically summed up, that's what it's about. And I think this is going to be important. And today's message, tonight's message, is going to be important because, you know, we don't put enough reliance on what God says. In other words, we'll say we put emphasis on what prophet so-and-so says. But what God actually says is lacking emphasis. And it's it's here. Everything that we need to know that God has ever said, that we have to filter everything through, is right here in this word. All right, the Bible commands us to prove all things, okay? It tells us that Satan himself can appear as an angel of light. It tells us, it commands us to test the spirits, not just fall hook, line, and sinker, because something makes us feel good, Okay. 
living the life of a believer is not about making us feel good or making each other just feel good. In other words, emotionalism. All right. It's about living for Jesus. And let me just be straight up front with you. And you heard me say similar things that living for Jesus is not easy. It's not going to make you famous. It's not supposed to make you famous. It's about living a life completely dedicated to Jesus because we are completely 100,000% dependent upon Jesus in every way that we can. And we just hope and pray to grow even more dependent on Jesus as the days go by. And we have a responsibility to play in that, by the way. Okay. I understand justification through faith alone. In other words, that salvation is through Christ and his finished works and his blood through us. And we, we can't do anything to justify ourselves. I completely get that. But then there is the matter of sanctification right? The renewing of our mind being transformed, a, a work in us. And the Bible tells us that, that he who began a good work in us is faithful and just to complete it until the end. So it's a constant work. None of us have it all. None of us know it all. We're all going to mess up. That's fine. Okay. But it's the, it's the, it's the, I won't call them, uh, some of them are mistakes, but it's the deceptions when we refuse to make right. When the word of God is clear on whatever errors we may make and we refuse to do anything about it, that's when it becomes dangerous. And I believe that's a glaring reason, and there are many, uh, why the charismatic is in such disarray. Okay, it doesn't may not look like that at times, but it absolutely is. Nobody's held accountable we're not fact-checking people by the word of God. We're not checking if things are biblical. And that, my friends, that right there leads to mass deception. So we're going to get into that. We're going to be in the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 3 tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 3 as I open up in prayer. Lord, we, we invite you into this message. Lead the way, Lord. Let things be spoken, be spoken with a heart that's humble with love may, may what is being spoken be received in that manner, correction, love, instruction. Lord, we know that it's not always going to feel good. And there are things inside of us that just need to get out of us. And we pray that will happen tonight as well. That your, your word, your word, as it says in Hebrews, Lord, that, that word is sharper than any two of us will pierce us tonight and separate things out of us. That don't belong there. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so like I said, we're going to open up in Genesis chapter 3, which is what? The story of the fall. So, I'm going to open up my Bible here. So, we have Genesis chapter 3. So, I'm just going to read, start reading from it, starting in verse 1. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. All right, first point right there, more subtle. In other words, when the enemy comes to deceive us, to, to draw us away from God, to draw us hither and thither, all right, it's he's not showing up like you see in movies. You know, whether it's a movie about exorcism, it's not, I am Satan. No, it's subtle, okay? It's not an outright attack, okay? It's not some outright physical attack. It's not some outright whatever. Okay, it is subtle. That's why it's called deception, because it deceives us, and we won't always see it coming. And we won't know what it's going to look like unless we get ready 
and ground ourselves in the infallible, inerrant word of God. And we'll see it. And he said to the woman, has God said, you shall not eat of any tree in the, of the garden. Now, we have to just read in the previous chapter where God never actually said that. God actually never said, you shall not treat, uh, eat of any tree of the garden. What did he actually say? See, that plays an important role. We have to know what the word of God says. There's a lot of error out there. There are people preaching numbers and this numbers and this number equals that number or this thing is in the Bible that many number of times. And then you read and you actually bother to look in the Bible, by the way. And you can look up in numerous translations, you know, the, the it's completely free to do. It's not there. Or people talk about, you know, angels, angels, angels. The emphasis is, is heavy on angels. And yet we can read in this book that actually, actually the people meeting and seeing any type of uh, angels or in angelic activity, if you will, is few and far between in the Bible, by the way. Um, things like that. So let's continue on. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit from the trees of the garden. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you will not eat of it, nor will you touch it, or else you will die. Okay, that's not even, that is that is partially true. But you know, if something is partially true, it makes it false. God didn't actually say that. God, God gave Adam specific instructions, right? He didn't say that, though, by the way, that tree in the center, because there were two trees in the center. There was a tree of life, and then there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, so God gave very, very specific instructions, right? And mind you, this is before sin entered in, by the way. This is, this is when, you know, understanding couldn't have been more perfect between human and God. God walked with them in the cool of the day. God personally had a conversation with Adam about this type of stuff. Then the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die, for God knows that on that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. How often do we hear that? Revelation, right? We, we, get, the, we get the revelation word thrown around, you know, about getting our eyes opened, our spiritual eyes open, right? How often do we hear that thrown around in the charismatic? will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eyes, say pleasing to the eyes, because just because something is pleasing to the eyes doesn't make it good and of God. She took of his fruit and ate, and she gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Clearly God knew where he was which I believe that God was giving a chance for Adam to come to him and confess. It doesn't say it explicitly, but I believe we can make that logical assumption. 
And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and was afraid because I was naked and so I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, and he, and he goes on. I'm, I'm going to pause right here. We'll see if we get further in the text tonight. But the thing is, is the importance of knowing what God says. Okay. Today, more than ever before, we have at our disposal many different resources to know what God actually says. And I'm not talking about the Elijah list. I'm talking about the very written word of God. We can get it in pretty much any language that we can think of. We can get it in the modern English version, King James version, English standard version, uh, many, many different ones, by the way, are out there. We have free software if we decide to give a deeper study in the Greek. We can look at it in the original languages of Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. We have commentaries out there by men far wiser than me who have written such things and studied. The bottom line is we have zero excuse not to know what the word of God says. Yet in especially the American culture, specifically the American church culture, we fail miserably at putting emphasis on the word of God, specifically, specifically to our crowd, if you will, the charismatic Pentecostal, right? We, we put emphasis on operating in the gifts of the spirit. Oftentimes, we don't even know what those gifts of the Spirit actually are. And I've seen it myself, read it myself, heard it taught on myself about the gifts of the Spirit are here, there, 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 there. The gifts of the Spirit are mentioned, by the way, in one place only, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But the thing is that you see how easily we can be deceived. Uh, this is a spiritual gift. That is a spiritual gift all of a sudden. Easily deceived into thinking that Yes, indeed. Intercessors are a special group of people somehow. Prayer warriors. Mm. How often do we hear those buzzwords thrown around? And yet, what all, you know, you know what that type of stuff actually does? It creates an elitist mentality in the church body. And we can see that, by the way, how Eve was drawn away by Satan. Okay, she was easily swayed by Satan, being filled with pride. Satan deceived her that way. What? No way. No, no, no. If you do that, you'll be on top. Right? Let me just say that there is no such thing as an intercessor mentioned as a specific group of people and not applied to the whole church body. No, Paul even writes in the book of Ephesians, right? It talks about... Um, you know, putting on a, a full armor of God. Then he's writing to them, telling him, and above all else, pray. So he's writing to a church body, not singling out a specific group of people in said church body to pray. And we don't know that terms like intercessors, terms like prayer warriors, and many other terms out there, we won't understand that they are just simply not biblical if we don't know what this word says in the first place. But we don't put emphasis on it today. We wonder why, why the 
charismatic side is made fun of, mocked, derided. Yes, we, we're even causing other people out there now to despise prophecy, which the Bible warns us not to do. Because we don't put emphasis, what does the Word of God actually have to say about, you name it? Does it back it up? Does it not? I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. What I say does not affirm Scripture. Okay, what Scripture says either affirms what I say or does not. What I say must be filtered through Scripture. What anybody else says, regardless of title, position, what have you, must be filtered through the Word of God. Now, let me say, I understand not everything said can be. If we need direction, should I buy a house? Should I buy a house or not is not in the Word of God. However, if something mentions, if somebody mentions something that's mentioned in Scripture, right, then we should be able to go to that Scripture and say, yes, it's there or it's not there. What, what it actually says. See, that's how, that's how Satan was able to deceive Eve. She was not right. She thought this is what God actually said when God didn't actually say that. And I believe we have two categories of people that we can highlight here. Right, we'll just start off with Eve. Eve, I believe, can represent right the layperson in the church, or in other words, not the person teaching, the person listening. Right now, I don't know how this played out, it's not told. I, I don't know if Adam failed to teach her properly what God actually said. I don't know that. You don't know that. Uh, I, I don't know if he did and Eve just rejected it and came up with her own thing. I, I don't know. No, it's not told. But I believe that that those two things often happen in the church today. So I say we have Adam and Eve. I think Adam represents, right, the shepherds, for instance. Eve represents, you know, the congregants in, in this context. Now I'm not over-spiritualizing. I'm just giving you an idea. All right. Now, we have congregants out there who fall into categories as well. They fall into the category of of people who are not getting correct teaching. Are they're not receiving the correct teaching they need to? Could be different reasons. But once again, it's ignorance of what the word of God tells us. What is a teacher supposed to look like? A leader, an overseer supposed to look like? How are they supposed to conduct themselves? What is their life supposed to look like? And we don't know that because we don't put emphasis on, say, 1 Timothy chapter 3. So we see somebody out there, they hold a position of overseer, like senior pastor or something. But are they actually operating in that? Are they actually teaching? Is their lifestyle um, speaking of good conduct? A lifestyle of conduct, a lifestyle of having a good marriage, uh, solid uh, raising your children in, in a solid way or not? So then we have that without belaboring that point. But then we also have the believers who don't want sound teaching and reject it when they hear it. They want their ears tickled, right? We know that Paul warms up. Paul warns Timothy what is going to happen and what is already indeed here. People who heap false teachers to themselves because they want their ears pleased. They don't like rebuke. They don't want correction. In fact, they don't want something that makes them uncomfortable, by the way. Why? Because we've 
gotten into the trap of emotionalism in the church today. In other words, if it makes me feel good, it's true. Okay. But if it confronts sin and talks about repentance, it's not true because God said, don't judge. See, that's another thing. Oh my gosh, we could go down a rabbit hole with the whole God don't God says don't judge thing, which is absolutely not true. However, however, you know, people basically want to be affirmed. People are looking for affirmation. The problem is that they're not looking for affirmation of who God says that they are when they are in Christ Jesus. They're looking for affirmation outside of that. Now they may think that they are, in other words, deception, right? That's what this is about. They get they go forth and think to themselves. Man, wow, I'm 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 affirmed as a prophet. I don't know. I'm affirmed in the gift of prophecy. I'm a, and they look for affirmation outside of God. When the only affirmation we really absolutely need to operate for God's kingdom here right now is that are we a son and daughter of God or not? Are we sons and daughters of God or not? That's the only affirmation. We don't need affirmations of tongues of prophecies, of whatever else. We just need the affirmation of who God says we are. And we can look back in Genesis chapter 1, where, where God creates mankind and calls it very good. That was before, I don't know, they did anything. Same thing with Jesus. When Jesus comes out publicly finally, the father calls Jesus his dearly beloved son. And Jesus had yet to that point heal anybody, spoken a word of prophecy, anything publicly where, where he was known for. But yet we in the charismatic often look for that as the litmus test. Man, if I go out and do, then God's going to be pleased with me. I'm telling you, God's already pleased with you. Why? Because if you've come to Christ Jesus, You've had your sins covered and forgiven. God is already pleased with you already. There may be things in us that he is not pleased with. Well, welcome to the human race. But overall, as a person, we have a new identity in Christ Jesus called saints, holy ones. So we don't have to worry about that. Because it's all about who God says we are. It's all about who God says we are. So we have that. And we could go on giving examples, but then we have the pastors, the Adams. Now, like I said, I don't know exactly what happened there in the garden. You know, but somewhere along the way, we can infer that somehow Adam failed. He didn't emphasize what God said. And how do I know that? Because it talks about here, Going back up to, let's see, ah, verse 6, the last part of it, it says that she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So Adam was right there. It says, with her, and he ate it, and had he himself put emphasis on what God said, he would have never ate. He would have been like, uh-uh-uh, you want to go down that road? You, you do it by yourself. But as for me, 
I'm living for God. I'm going to obey God. But he didn't because I don't believe that he put em emphasis on the word of God. Just like in many churches today in the charismatic circles, not all, by the way, so please hear my heart on this, but many doesn't mean all. Do not emphasize what the word of God actually says, right? We see, oh, it's got to be for activation. Impartation. That, that That's what it's about. Maybe healing people. Let me tell you what. We cannot heal people if we don't know the great healer himself, Jesus. Because we can claim to know Jesus, but let me tell you what. Knowing Jesus and knowing about Jesus are two completely different things. Okay? I know about the sun. I know that it's very hot. I know that it's up there in the daytime. Right? But intimately details about the sun, I don't, I don't know anything about that, for instance. Okay, I know about people out there, for instance. I don't know many of them, for instance. I don't know. You know, I, you know, I don't have enough time in my day or inclination, to be quite frank, to pay attention to every single person out there speaking. So in other words, I know about them maybe, but knowing them in person, I don't know that. And there's a big difference because they could be in error, by the way. However, they could be a wonderful brother and sister in Christ as well so let me just pause and say be very 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 careful i give you a strong word of caution do not be quick to label somebody a heretic by the way just, just want to throw that out there real quick but going back to the point of adam is i believe that that adam represents what pastors are today in many places no emphasis on the word of god or very little emphasis or the wrong emphasis on the word of god right in other words, I'm going to take this scripture and I'm going to make it mean what I want it to mean. I'm going to talk about something, but then I'm going to take a piece of scripture. I'm going to put it on there because it'll make it seem legitimate. When, when the thing that we should do first, pastors, is read this word, study this word, and, and instead of taking the scriptures and applying it to whatever we have said, we take what we have meditated on, thought on, before we even speak it, we should run it through Scripture. Did God really say that? Oh, my. Wait, wait, wait. Huh? Angels of finance? Angels of surgery? I don't see that in here at all, but I thought I got a revelation of it. Huh. I'm. I, wow, that revelation must have been wrong, man. And, you know, if we if we would do that more often... Because even the Bible warns, by the way, that even the very elect might be deceived. That's a strong word. That's a strong warning, by the way. It's a very good word of caution to live by, no matter who you are, by the way. Very, very good caution. Even I, even I, somebody saved by God Almighty, can be deceived. We need to realize that. And we need to emphasize the word of God once again. We need to to emphasize the study on scripture once again. You, you know why even David so concisely put it, right? Thy word, your word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, being in error and teaching error, being in deception and teaching deception, by the way, is sinning against God. Now, I just said sinning against God. I'm not calling it to anybody I'm not calling anybody's salvation into question here. However, that is sitting against God. And here in the story, right, if we read further on, 
we see where everybody was held accountable by God, by the way. Right? So, so Adam speaks up, and God's like, what have you done? And Adam was like, I, I, what my fault is that woman? She did it. It's her fault. Right? God's got to stand there like, right? He looks over to Eve. Eve is like, not my fault. That snake, that's his fault. He did it. Poor snake is standing there trying to look around like, man, I got nobody else to blame it on. I don't have anybody. What? I mean, come on, man. Come, Elaine, come over here. You know, probably the, the other animals like, well, backing up like, whoa, I don't want none of that. Right? Basically, it's the blame game that went on. Blame shifting. Right? So Adam, Adam, right? Which I said, you know, in this context, you know, what I'm trying to apply it to, right, is is the pastors, leadership, right? How often does leadership blame the congregants? How often does that happen? Come on, man, right? We hear we the the studies are out there on places like Barna, been out there now for I think about two years now. Can't remember exactly when they came out. That pastors don't want to preach the truth because they're afraid they'll lose money and they'll lose congregants. Let me tell you why God will hold them accountable. He, they, they don't get away with saying, yeah, those congregants of mine, man, they don't like it when I preach that stuff. They, they don't like it when I preach repentance and sin. Don't you know that, God? And you think God is going to hold them? Oh, you know what? You're right. Uh, you know what? You're absolutely right. Yeah, those 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 dirty congregants. No, because God didn't excuse Adam either. And often the congregants, by the way, excuse. I'm oh, it was oh oh. You know, so and so deceived me. No, own up. Put your big boy pants on and own up. Enough. Little kids make excuses. My brother did it. My sister did that. I got my kids sitting right here. I know you can't see them, but they do that, right? Well, why did you do that? Well, Eva did it. I, poor Eva's, you know, my daughter's sitting around like, what? I made you do that? And I'm like, man, baby girl, you got some amazing powers, man. Make somebody do something. Point being is, the point being, nobody can make us do anything against our will. We have to, we make a choice to do it. Every decision in life comes to that, by the way. Unless our will is submitted to the will of God. And we say, God, not your way. But we often blame, how often? Come on, we, we've all been a pew sitter, right? Man, that pastor just isn't teaching me the message well. Whatever it may be, all the time. Wait a minute here, what's this? Oh, oh it's a Bible, look at it. I have my own Bible? Wait, wait a minute, wait. Huh? You mean there's places like Bible Gateway? With numerous translations that are free? So bottom line, we have no excuse to be ignorant. We can't blame. We're going to be held accountable. Believe me, who's ever standing one day before the great white throne of judgment is going to be held accountable. We can read that. We, we, we flip to the end of the book. 
Who's held accountable in that book? Everybody. Right? It's almost, it's, it's almost like what happened in the garden happens at a greater way at the great right throne of judgment, right? Why? What comes along? Angel comes down, has a chain, you know, chucks Satan boom, forever into the lake of fire. Okay, I know I may have gotten that a little bit mixed up, but basically he gets chucked into the lake of fire forevermore. Okay, so first Satan go boom, psh, right? Which God confronts Satan here first, right? He may get, by the way, the greater punishment in a way, except that at the end he, he got one greater one. But what about, what about, say, for instance, the shepherds, the leaders? Oh, I believe that Jesus has something to say about that. Lord, didn't we do all this in your name? I don't know you. Get out of here. I don't, I never even knew you in the first place. What? Who are you again? Did we ever meet? Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, the shepherds get held accountable. In fact, a stern warning in the Bible about teachers, by the way, about teachers being held more accountable. However, that doesn't mean, as we see here in, in the story here, right? Talks about, okay, now you're going to be calling on the, the belly, eating, eating dust for the rest of your life forevermore. Okay. Adam, dude, you know, you, you got to work the ground forevermore now. You got to work the ground. You know, everything is going to come with thorns and thistles and all that, right? Eve didn't escape punishment, by the way. Uh-uh. Oh, by the way, yeah, that whole thing called childbirth that you're about to do. Yeah, by the way, you, you are about to get a painful experience. Same thing with the congregants, right? Who gets chucked into the, to the, to uh, the, the <sighs> lake of fire? Everybody, everybody whose name was not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We don't get an out. We don't get to stand before Jesus and, and part, start playing the blame shift game. It is that's not going to fly. Why? Because we have a responsibility on our part today. And if you want to avoid deception. If you want to be equipped to also spot it, because you have to spot it to avoid it. If you want to be equipped as well to confront it, there's only one place to find it. What are the answers right here? Right here in this book. How often, let me ask you, do you read this book? How often do you spend time in this book? Mother, don't you know my job? Brother, don't you know? Now, I'm not legalistic about it, you know. If you skip one day, that's it. No, what I'm saying is you will endeavor every day of your life to study this book. Why? Because you love God so much. That's what it comes from, by the way. You love God so much you're willing to obey Him. You love God so much that you're willing to know what He has to say. Are you willing to do that? Or, or at the end of the day, just... Excuses, because excuses don't fly before God. Well, God, don't, don't, don't you know? No, we have to be willing to make a lifestyle of seeking knowledge and wisdom that comes from one place, the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning. The Bible says that the beginning of knowledge and wisdom is, in the, is the fear of the Lord. In other words, 
a holy reverence. God is God alone. He is sovereign. What he says goes. And if I don't do that, I'm disobeying his word. I'm disobeying his sovereign will for the life of every single believer out there. When are we going to re-emphasize this book? Jesus put emphasis on the book. Why do you think he was not deceived when Satan came to him? Oh, you say, brother, well, he was God in the flesh. Sure. But the great thing about Jesus is there were times when even though he didn't have to, he did it anyways just to show us how it's done. And he said to Satan, it is written. It is written. It is written. Satan had no power because he knew what the word of God said. That's true spiritual warfare, by the way, in effect. Not calling down angels of this and rebuking spirits of that. Knowing what this word says and speaking it forth. Knowing what this word says and testifying to its truth. And they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They knew this word and they refused to back down from it. We don't put enough emphasis on it. We wonder why there's so much rat, so much deception. And the thing is that these churches, people, leaders could be so highly affected for the word, of, for, for the kingdom of God, if only. That's the thing. I'm not here preaching because I'm everybody's critic. I want to see people redeemed. So as we close, we're just going to put this offer out there. Okay, fellow leaders in the body of Christ. I want you to reach out to me. All right, let's have a conversation behind the scenes about your belief system and such. Let's off camera, on Zoom or something like that, whatever your preferred platform. Let's talk behind the scenes. Fellow believers out there, you don't have to be a leader to this. I'm putting the offer. Let's talk behind the scenes. All right, if you want to contact us and you want to actually do that, you want to reach across, you want to seek understanding as I'm trying to seek understanding. The email can be found in the about section of YouTube and Facebook. So the Facebook pages to david.mcguire, David, so my first and my last name, at restoredtolife.org. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the offer out there. Now, so far, I've never had any takers on it, and I'm just putting this out there. I have attempted to reach out to various people who are in error. Um, and I've gotten nothing back from them. So I'm just putting that out there. So if you're out there, you wish to speak to me. Well, let me, let me just pause and say there is one person I talked with. One person actually called me on the phone. We didn't come to an agreement, but at least we were able to talk over these things. So I'm putting that offer out there as we, as we get ready to close. It's felt by the leading of the Holy Spirit to do that. Let's seek understanding. Let's talk things out. Not saying we'll walk away in agreement. We won't certainly be in perfect agreement about anything, but hey, that's every believer out there anyways. But at least let's be willing to talk. All right, Nicodemus was willing to come to Jesus in privacy at night and talk to him about these things. Talk to Jesus about what Nicodemus was talking to Jesus about what Nicodemus believed, and he was willing to listen to what Jesus had to say. Not, it didn't end with Nicodemus saying, yeah, you're the Lord Messiah and I give my life to you. It didn't happen that way. But at least the conversation took place. You see what I'm saying? I believe that we're lacking conversation in the body of Christ, but that's not for today. 
So I, I want you to come to the altar tonight. All right, I'm inviting you the, the chance for redemption. Not saying you're going to hell at this point. That's not what I'm saying. But to be in deception can lead us to hell. Not saying it will. It could lead us. And I know it may, what I've said may be very, very uncomfortable to many out there. But I'm just trying to offer this as a chance to redemption. Even correction and rebuke must be attached to redemption. So if that's you, if whatever you realize tonight, I've fallen for some deception myself. God is calling you. God is not rejecting you. God is willing to accept you as you are, and he's willing to excise out of you what needs to be. It's not going to be always feel nice, but I'm telling you, afterwards, it's to, I'm telling you, oof, you're not looking back. Will you, will you do that tonight? Will you lay false beliefs, not calling you false, not calling you false to anybody, but I'm saying your beliefs that are false, are you willing to lay them on the altar tonight? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to come forth and say, you know what, God, correct me? Are you willing to lay down whatever idols have replaced the love of God in your life tonight? Something that has taken the place in your life over the word of God. It could be, it could be maybe you need to rethink things, too much Netflix. It could be you put emphasis on somebody's teaching over the word of God. And whatever, it could be spiritual gifts. Yes, spiritual gifts can become an idol. Are you willing to do that tonight? Are you willing to come forth tonight? I can't make you. I can only offer you and show you the way. It's not up to me to make it, make anybody do anything. Just know that my heart breaks if you're not, if you're unwilling to come to God, and my heart breaks for anybody like that. So let's let, let's come to the Lord God Almighty tonight. Lord, we we come to you tonight, and we and we just lay it all at the altar: false beliefs, idols, idols, idols of self, idols of entertainment, where we put entertainment above studying your Word, Lord. Idols of spiritual gifts, idols of, of callings, idols of positions and platforms and prophecies. Lord, forgive us how we've made such an idol. Even an idolatry of being a charismatic. We made an idol out of that. We made idol out of prophecy. Something that, that Lord, we, we, we confess to you is all about you, Jesus, and was always meant to be all about you, Jesus. But we, we've taken our eyes off of you. Lord, many people listening tonight realize that their love has grown cold for you. And I pray that you would reignite that love tonight. I pray that your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, bring conviction. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, anything within us, and includes me, as a wrong belief, bring your fire and your conviction. Bring your cleansing as we lay it all on the altar tonight. And if there be anything left over, then we know, Lord Jesus, then it's that wonderful shortbread. If there's anything left over, but we're willing to lay it all. We're willing to take that chance with you, God, because we say, you know better, God. And you have a much better way and a much better plan for our lives than any man could come up with, to include myself. So we humble ourselves before you tonight, Lord. Come and cleanse us tonight. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so eh, I didn't go too long tonight. Less than an hour, that's not too long for me. So 
like I said, you can reach out to us for any reason, by the way. You got a prayer request, reach out to us. Uh, if you need pastoral counseling, we provide that. You say, well, brother, but I live not even close to you. That's okay. This video camera I'm talking into, there you go. You can do it by video. If you need that, please come to us. If you, hey, don't forget, like I said, the dialogue. If you want to have dialogue about beliefs, please. I am willing to, I am willing to push aside time and I will make a time for you. I will set aside time for you to do that. If you're a leader, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you're not a leader, it doesn't matter. All right. God is no respecter of persons, neither am I. So I'm willing to do that for you. Okay. So I love you all. God bless you all. Uh, we will see you again Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Central. All right, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Central. God bless. See you later.